I'm Rob Poynton from the Ian Smith Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth VC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Clary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. Hey, everyone. It's me, DB. Just reminding you we have t shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shelf curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon. Get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. Unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential 
myths, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us, once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to Hello everyone, this is D.B. Spitzer, and on to my virtual right is usually my good friend and uh, co-host, Farmer Dave, David Heath. Dave, how the heck are you doing this week? I am doing all things considered. I am virtually doing well. All right. All right. Yes. I'm, unfortunately, I got a bit of the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. But um, fortunately, I had my, you know, I had my two boosters. In fact, I was scheduled to get my third booster. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so it's basically been an annoying, I mean, I, I mean, I've been sick. Yeah. And so I am so, so grateful that I didn't get this years ago. Uh-huh. Or, you know, I've, I've had friends who had family that just went through something terrible, even though they've had the booster. So I am extremely lucky. Yeah. I am at an undisclosed location though so that i do not spread to anyone else mm-hmm. and i'm sure everybody is thinking wondering but we do have people taking care of the goats oh, and yeah. i miss them very much and i will be heading back and, and i'm not sure if goats can catch covid but yeah but farm workers can so i'm uh-huh. i'm i'm recuperating at a uh undisclosed disclosed location somewhere in oregon well, uh, all the people here miss you, and, uh, you know, that includes goats, because goats are people, as you've told me more than once. So, Dave, earlier you were talking about, uh, you know, you've, you've been through worse, awful things. And, uh, you know, luckily we're, we're talking about something that's, that's awful, that isn't a thing you've really had to deal with, and... You know, no one outside of Call of Cthulhu and Lovecraftian fiction has had to deal with. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of different pronunciations of this. Uh, I say Ligor, but I'm not quite sure what you, you call them. It. I, I think so, but I, I think maybe our, our Spanish listeners might call it Igor. Yeah, okay. With huh. two L's at the front. Uh, I'm not sure. And, you know... There, there are two ligors. So, is that a plural of ligors, or are they ligori? I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's sure a pretty either. good one. That's a pretty good one. So, uh, what are they? Can you take us through this? What they are? Even I've, I've said that they're terrible, but what are they? So, let's start with ligor one. Okay. And ligor one is created by our good friend. August Derleth. All right, Augie Dog Derleth. What do we got? Basically, it's a yeah, uh, good uh, good old Derleth. And so, it's one of two twin monstrosities. It has a twin and named Zar. Okay. And they are somewhere in what we now call Myanmar, or used to be Burma. Uh huh. And they're they're star spawn. Um, they're basically Little Cthulhu's with extra tentacles and wings. Okay. And so this um, 
This actually comes in a short story called um, the uh, the Lair of the Star Spawn. Okay. And okay, um, again, this is like a hundred and or not, it's not. It's like a ninety-year-old story. Yeah. But there's going to be spoilers. Okay. And so basically, this uh, expedition to Burma gets captured by. I don't know if it actually says it at the time, but they're basically the Chocho people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he meets this person uh, who is like this uh, 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 um, llama, Mm -hmm. not llama like, uh, not llama like the the alpaca, but yeah, you know, a Buddhist monk who is able to um, basically project his spirit. And send out a warning because they're trying to raise these to, um, to uh, star spawn. Mm-hmm. And Daryl here does something that I think is both just ridiculous, yeah, and utterly cool. Mm-hmm. When they call forth the Star Warriors, yeah. To best of my knowledge, Star Warriors have never appeared in any other short story and have never appeared in any of the Call of Cthulhu supplements. Yeah. But they basically look like the um, Carl's Jr. logo uh-huh. but shooting out sparks and lightning. Okay. And they ride mo- space motorcycles that look like cigars. Okay. Alright. And they come back and it's both I, I think they're both cool and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this way that only August Derleth could create. Yeah. And so they ride their space cigar motorcycles and they come down and then they shoot electricity out through their hands and destroy the lair of the star spawn. Oh, wow. And now, uh, I have to admit, the older I get, the more other things I've read, uh-huh. it doesn't hold up. As well as the first time I read it as a teenager, uh-huh. but it's it's good trashy pulp. Yeah, uh, and you know, and if you haven't if you haven't read it, it, it it's good for that. At least this this ending scene where the um, where the where the Star Warriors come up and demolish everything, and then our heroes basically escape but this is set in like 1910 uh-huh, uh-huh. so they're, they're um, uh, an aerial an aerialist rescue mm. them okay. but it's got to be a balloon uh, because airplanes just aren't mass produced especially sure. in, in Burma yeah and I've always thought what a cool character I, I want to know more about this 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 aviator or you know this aerialist that, that saved them at the end uh-huh, and uh-huh. it never says i always kind of think of me it was like a, a female uh you know uh sort of steampunk hero but i, I would like to see her in more stories okay so that cool. that is that is ligor one all right what uh, do we have it, for ligor two so ligor two appears in a book a short story uh-huh. first called The Return of the Ligor. Okay. And this is by 
Colin Wilson. All right. Which is not Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would think it would be so cool if the actor played Morbius. He, uh, Morbius, Morbius had actually written this, but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not Owen Wilson, and it's not. When I first read it, too, I was thinking it was Robert Wilson. Okay. Who wrote or is co-writer for the Illuminati trilogy? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what threw me off is Ligers appear in the Illuminati trilogy. Mm-hmm. At least as a thrown out name. Yeah. But this is someone completely different, just um, same last name. All right. And in this, they are energy creatures. Okay. Um, but they're in the, are some sort of pure energy, psychic matter or something. But when they come to Earth, they have to create a physical form to interact in Earth. Okay. And it's it becomes reptilian, so they are they are seen as dragon-like. All right. And so, a lot of people consider and and I and I've read it and I enjoy it. And I really think I need to reread it. Um, Return of the Live uh, Liger mm-hmm. is actually kind of like highfalutin Lovecraft, or yeah. uh, it, I mean, Wilson tries very hard to write. A highbrow story, I think. Yeah. And so the writing is very good. The thinking, you know, the thought is very good. And in very typical, you know, Lovecraft um, manner, he has a character who's telling the story. But this character, unlike a lot of Lovecraft's characters, has a name. Yeah. And it is Dr. Lang. Which and and you know remember Wilson's playing with things he knows he knows this is um, 60s or 70s he knows Lovecraft almost as well as anybody sure so I always wonder and I don't think he ever wrote this down was Lang a play on Lang L A N G instead of L E N G I don't know I don't know and best of my knowledge he never said that and it, it probably just one of those coincidences yeah yeah. And another thing that Wilson does in this story is he takes the real world and he starts in more into the Cthulhu mythos world. Mm-hmm. So instead of the Necronomicon, Lang is studying the Voysage, uh, uh Chronicle, which is a real book. Yeah, uh, the I don't I, uh, Voynich, uh Manuscript. Oh, Manual, yes, excuse me. No, no which, problem. Which is either written in this incredibly advanced code that nobody has been able to craft, or it was written hundreds of years ago as a hoax, and it's in a nonsense language. Yeah, it's it, it, there, there. There may be some sort of in between that we haven't thought of yet, but yeah, I, I don't think it's some sort of alien language. I don't think it's some sort of like. I don't know, Renaissance era time travelers guide. Um, <laughs> I, so, oh, yeah. No, no, no. So, so Wilson's sort of interpretation is, is that it, it's a cover. Sure. And that there's actually. So, so it, it, it's a cover that the real book that talks about the Ligars and sure. the supernatural uh-huh. is actually written in invisible ink. Okay. And so, you know, Lang discovers this. 
But he also discovers that in this universe, uh-huh. Lovecraft was real. Okay. And that Lovecraft wrote the books that he wrote as sort of a warning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm, I, I, again, it's, it's a, it is a really well-written story that I'm sure I appreciate more the older I get. Sure. Now, my first experience with uh, the Ligor is actually going to be the Ligor 2, Wilson's version. Uh-huh. And that was from the third edition Call of Cthulhu core book. Okay. And there's a uh, adventure called the Water Horse. Oh. Where where it's a Nessie-like creature, it uh-huh. turns out. And again, this is a 40-year-old module, so spoilers, that the, the sea monster t- turns out to be a Ligor. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, that was where I first came in. And I don't believe that current editions include that adventure. Yeah. But you can get it. it it's in quite a few things. Maybe the Call of Cthulhu starter kit. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it is at least the third, I think the fourth edition had it as a, an adventure. And you can definitely pick it up online. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, yeah, no, I have to say I probably ran across it somewhere in fifth edition of Call of Cthulhu. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the classics. It's one of the classics. It's it's in the books as you go back. I don't know where it first appears and where it last appears, but it's in the last book that I bought. So last few books that I've bought, whether that be uh, this edition or that edition, this digital edition, the the most common, uh, most current digital edition I have, I think, is seventh edition of the core rules for Call of Cthulhu, and I'm pretty sure they're in it. Both, it, it, both like yours. It, it's definitely pretty common. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one other thing that's very, I think, interesting about Wilson's Ligor. What's that? Is that they have a mind different than human beings. Okay. So they're they're only capable of almost feeling pessimism. They're hard they're hardwired that way. Okay. They also don't have sort of the, these Freudian concepts of id and ego and yeah, super ego. Yeah. They, they, they really are lizard brains. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're that, just yeah, and super intelligent lizard brains. Yeah, that's that's just pretty much like this is so alien you wouldn't even understand it, man. <laughs> yes. Now I'm pretty sure that, and you know, consult your local lawyer before you consult me. Oh sure. But I'm pretty sure that everything Darleth wrote is public domain now. Hmm. Yeah, I I definitely consult your lawyer. <laughs> yeah, but I would say that um, even though they appear, I'm pretty sure Wilson's is still under copyright. Okay. At least the story. Sure. Um, and but they appear in other places, and, and there's also sort of this idea of the uh, Leorno Norris, mm-hmm. which are sort of Della throughout, which are these sort of um, aerial beings that he doesn't describe uh-huh. that protect the two, um, the, the, the star spawn. 
So he doesn't really describe them. Are they flying polyps? You know, are they Migo? Mm -hmm. Or are they, um, you know, um, are they um, Owen's version? Yeah. Or, I mean, Wilson's version? I don't know. That's crazy. I don't know. But that's pretty much what I had to say about the subject. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. After the break, uh, we will be talking about uh, a place that uh, a place that Likor uh, uses to like walk around and get places faster. That's the Plateau of Lang, dreaded Lang. All right. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. You know what I'm here to talk about? Copper Cow Coffee, my favorite coffee to drink in the morning. I drink it cold as a uh, cold brew. I throw a couple of bags into a mason jar, put it in some water, screw that up tight, put it in the fridge, or set it on the counter, and let that go overnight. Or I'll throw some in the espresso maker, or even just uh, how it was intended, tear off the little paper top, pour slowly, slowly pour three to eight ounces of water, into your favorite mug, or, I don't know, someone else's favorite mug if you're visiting. Super portable. You can show it off. I don't know. Dads and grads love coffee. Why don't you get some for your dads and grads? And, hey, if you're traveling this summer, you know what? It's it's super nice, super portable, awesome for camping, awesome for RVs and stuff like that, and super good if you're just, like, traveling and just want to have, like, a little bit of coffee with you but don't want to, like, overdo it. And, you know, say you're somewhere, I don't know, where the, you're somewhere the coffee isn't great or you're going somewhere where the coffee isn't great. Copper Cow's got you covered. And, hey, do you like chocolate? Check. Everybody likes chocolate. Everyone likes chocolate. Uh, Tanza Chocolate has vegetarian chocolate. And I know that sounds awful, but they use cashew milk instead. And it is a pretty good stuff. So check out Taza in the show notes and help support the show. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay and the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on like Instagram. Check it out. I've got some really good summer deals and check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. Only on Monster Kid Radio. 
You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey Dave, guess what? What? We're now talking about the Plateau of Lang, or, or just Lang. I mean... Oof. Oh, excuse me. I uh, just adjusting myself so I, uh, I'm not sitting in a weird spot. So we've talked about Lang while talking about other things, but I think this is the first time we've talked about Lang directly. It's it's uh, it's a place where, depending on who you're reading, there are children of Sothagua, there are uh, inky creatures, there. There, spiders. It, there's spiders. There is the Chocho. There are the horned men of Lang. There is uh, all kinds of stuff, and it and it, it uh, apparently connects to the Dreamlands. It connects to, uh, oh goodness, uh, uh, oh goodness, uh, somewhere Antarctica. Oh, uh, Antarctica. Yeah, Antarctica. Uh, we talked about where the uh, Ligor hangs out in, where was it, Nepal or? I, I believe it was Burma. Burma, thank you, thank you. So, yeah, no, and uh, y- you have, like, all the places it could be connected that you may not know about. And, <laughs> yeah, if, if it's connected to Antarctica, if it's connected to Burma, where else is it connected to? It's connected to the Dreamlands. And it's connected to you. What? But yeah, I mean, you could use it as a transplanial crossroads. You could think of it as a like one of Earth's few fourth-dimensional uh, naturally occurring features. Yeah, that like makes it able so that you can go from Earth to other places. Uh, but, you know, it's just, like, naturally occurring. Why wouldn't you be able to do that? I mean, come on. What what, what are you, like, three-dimensional, two-dimensional? But, you I know... I there would be no math. <laughs> but, you know, say, say you have something from, like, the upper dimensions and stuff, and it, you know, it, it uses this, like, naturally occurring... Uh, surface this 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 thing that would like stick out like a sore thumb so like anything that's like four dimensional or fifth dimensional they'd just be able to like look through earth and then be like oh wait a minute there's something that's actually multi-dimensional and then they could uh use that to i don't know maybe interact with things better uh go places faster uh you know um and and creatures that are three dimensional, they they just like, uh, or, or maybe it'd just be a point of interest for fourth, fifth, sixth dimensional creatures, but a way for three dimensional creatures who know about it to move around it and know how to say the right incantations and move your hands the right way so that you don't get like smashed, or you don't like inter, uh, I don't know, so you don't uh, don't don't get some uh, god lane or. Uh, child of Azathoth, or grandchild of Azathoth, or something like that. Maybe, maybe Lang is the point that connects 
uh, four-dimensional space to, like, seven-dimensional space. And it's, like, one of the few points where you can actually, like, on our planet, you can actually even, like, contact Azathoth and get, like, a clear signal. You know? It's like, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's one way to think about Lang for, like, your role-playing games is it, it could be, like, massive non-Euclidean space, much like uh, Rallier. It could be, it's one of those places, but maybe it's, it's, it's more than just, you know, how, where Cthulhu lived was like, uh, non-Euclidean and things folded in on itself. And, you know, uh, maybe it's, it's more complex than that because, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's, that is like associated with Azathoth directly in various stories. And uh, it's 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 brought up. Everyone brings it up. Uh, I don't know. Is like, you know, you could treat it like people just bring it up as like a uh, like a mythical thing, or you can make it a mystical thing, or something somewhere in between, where it's like that's garbage. But it's like, oh no, it's not. It's totally not. And you can do a whole. Oh man, this is so Call of Cthulhu. Hey, did you know that you could do an Indiana Jones knockoff where you go to Burma and find the Plateau of Lang and like bad guys follow you and madness ensues for everyone? <laughs> but it's like you're able to get out and the bad guys are stuck there or something um, or get trampled by black inky uh, elephant things with white eyes. Uh, you know... Um, Geez, it's 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 like there's all kinds of like uh, weird stuff on the plateau of Lang. I mean, it could be a conduit to a lot of different worlds. Uh, you could bring in all kinds of stuff if if you're not even if you're not playing a Call of Cthulhu or a Lovecraftian game. It could be some sort of gateway that lets like monsters come through and just call it. Oh, it's the plateau of Lang. It's dreaded. You can travel to a lot of different places and even to different worlds, but there's there's all kinds of monsters there. And, you know, just have alien monsters, but, I mean, that's basically great old ones. But anyway. So I believe that Pathfinder actually has this as a, a, a demiplane. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I also just want to throw out there, Chris, um, Lang, you're right, it just it appears in a lot of stories. Yeah. But I don't think that any of the original mythos writers in the 30s, except maybe Daryl, and I'm not sure about that, yeah. really set anything in Lang. It was basically one of those throwaway things. Yeah, yeah. Even and, in and dreaded it, Lang. Ooh. Yeah. And it first <laughs> appears in what I think is the terribly underrated The Hound. Yeah, yeah. It, it's first mentioned. And you're you're right in that you know, Lang is in you know in Burma or the Himalayas. It's in Antarctica. Yeah. It's in the Dreamlands. Yeah. What if maybe that's not maybe Lang's in everything. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Lang's in everything. It's just that those particular places you can see it better. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was I was thinking what if uh, Lang was back in. Uh, the times of uh, Zafum Heimbrach or whomever, uh, 
the the uh, necromancer Hondur and Vormith the dress. If underneath the Vormith the dress, uh, where Sathagwa hung out, somewhere down there was like a gateway to Lang or the plateau of Lang. But I don't know. I mean, I mean like, yeah, there could be stuff all over the place. Um, <laughs> the mound in Oklahoma in H.P. Lovecraft's The Mound with was it Hazel Heald? I believe so. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I mean, um, you should check that one out if you haven't read it, everyone. It's 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 pretty cool. Um, but, I mean, that could be a connection to Lang down there. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's stuff in various stories written by a lot of different people where Lang is mentioned. But, yeah, Lovecraft, I think, is, like, the one who really, really, really did it. And I, I want to say uh, Plateau of Lang, or just Lang itself, is used by other people back in the day uh, as much, if not more, than the term Necronomicon. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to see a spreadsheet comparing the two. But oh, sure, you're yeah. definitely right. It, it's definitely one of those approved you can use in as a throwaway item in your stories to get this sort of combined hopes going. So yes, definitely quite a few people used it. Yeah, and um, like something that you could do with Lang is create like a way for your modern characters to go into a fantasy world, but it would be the Dreamlands and it would be much like characters in the Dark Tower series where they're going to, which Stephen King, I think, has said that, that, that that's the Dreamlands. But <laughs> so, so I believe he does use Lang. I believe he and um, um, or uh, he and his son uh-huh. Joe writes under Joe Hill. Yeah. Uh, I believe in um, Lock and Key, the, the creatures are called the People of Lang. Uh, and, and again, it's just a throw-out description, uh, but uh, like father, like son. That's cool. That's pretty so, cool. So, 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 so King definitely has used Ling, uh, and in fact, I think that that's where Ronald Flagg found the book written by Al Hazarod to teach him magic on uh, the Plateau of Ling. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's that's a that's a something I hadn't even thought of is its connection to uh, the stand or uh, the I mean uh, <laughs> uh, are, are, are we talking about the stand or are we talking about uh, the... I think it, it, um, I'll double check my source here I got my notes here I was came across actually a story that I had not read okay uh, I'll look at the title in a moment but um, and, and, and both the kings, you know, they like they like their Lovecraft. Sure, yeah. And, and I think too that Stephen has said that if not that Ronald Flagg, if not an avatar of Nalahotep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is a a worshiper, a practitioner of him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but I, I think uh, using it as like a multi-dimensional, like cosmic crossroads for whatever 
whatever kind of uh, genre of role-playing game you're playing, you know, that's, that, that, that's how it works. I mean, we're not talking the cool, friendly kind of like, oh, it's the tavern between the worlds kind of place. It's not that. I mean, that kind of place would get stomped flat by, like, elephantine things with crystal tusks. <laughs> or, or it would be full of uh, men, men of Lang. And I don't even want to know what they drink. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if uh, men of Lang and people of Lang are more or less the same thing. But I, 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 I don't know. I haven't read those books. Yeah, I think, I think people of Lang might be a little bit more politically correct. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and and we all know that the people of Lang know how to get to the moon uh, to uh, give stuff to the moon beasts. So yeah, here we so, go. So so to me, Lang is kind of like the Mythos Tesseract. Yeah, it, it's kind of this. It, it's kind. Of, it, it is the gate. Uh-huh. I mean, I know Yogg-Sagoth is the gate, uh-huh. but but it's sort of there, it's a gate, unless you're a, a worshiper of some form of, of Yogg-Sagoth, mm-hmm. you probably don't know how to use it. Yeah. And so it's a gate that more controls you than you control the gate. Uh-huh. Okay. Interesting. I like that. Yeah, I was thinking, well... Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Uh, I, I really don't have a follow-up for that, but yeah. That's, um, that's really all I have for, for, for Lang and its people of. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. And I'm, you could definitely do something like create the Book of Lang or, the, you know, um, a, a society like a... Ah, like an old-timey, like, uh, exploration club called, you know, uh, the, the, uh, I don't know, something like the, uh, 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 South Wales Burmese Exploration Club, but what they really are is cultists of, uh, Sean or Fawn, <laughs> and, uh, practitioners of, uh, uh, chow chow uh, magics or uh, dietary whatnot, and you could just sprinkle that kind of stuff in there. You could sprinkle in like all kinds of things with dealing with Lang, because you know maybe Lang has a marketplace. Maybe that's something that Lang has. Uh, maybe that's one reason why people go there. But you know, there's there's like all the terrible things because things aren't necessarily meant for for like the normal persons. May, may mostly meant for I don't know. Uh, large alien beings that don't necessarily think of, of, of humans as more than like something to mess with and, 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 and like snack an on. An annoyance? Yeah, yeah, and an annoyance that they can snack on. But yeah. <laughs> Use Lang at your own risk. <laughs> Proceed with caution with Lang. I mean, you could, you, you could do what you want with it. You could do what you want with it. And, you know, it's like early I said, oh, I wouldn't put a bar in it. And it's like, you know what, now that I think about it, you do it right. It'd be kind of interesting. Like, what is on the plateau of Lang? Well, it's well, it's and, a large and place, And with all this too. reality warping, it sort of falls in, makes sense, as the king in yellow. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It could be tied into 
uh, cities that have like succumbed to earthquakes or fires or whatever. We've talked about that kind of thing in the past. And, uh, you know, uh, Lang envelops it. There could be a part of Lang that is like, I don't know, the cities that Carcosa is done with. And it's just like this bent shell of like an ashy city or something like that. I don't know. You could do a lot with Lang, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, thank you once again for listening to the show. Uh, Dave, anything you want to say before we head out? No, other than, you know, everybody be safe and, you know, uh, have a great one. All right. Everyone, stay squiggly and keep it weird. And we'll see you next time when we're talking about something from the Cthulhu Mythos. And stay tuned to our weekly show, uh, or our daily show, where we have all kinds of cool sci-fi stories from uh, the... June 2000, no, uh, the July 2000, uh, uh, July 1930, astonishing stories of super science. Uh, so that's super science. I'm astonished. <laughs> yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff in there, too. Uh, stuff about like if we shoot it with a laser, it'll disintegrate. Look, it's an organic gel, anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty fun stuff, but yeah. All right, everyone, have yourselves a good one, and we'll talk to you in the near future.